0: You're listening to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. The episode where we actually try to have class. Hello everyone and welcome back to Spandex Power Armor. I'm Carmen Range and with me as always is Hypnopotamus Rex. Say hi Rex. Oh hi yo. Weeaboo. Hi. Well, this uh, this week's episode is going to be mildly different in that we're not going to be quite as irreverent, tasteless... Devoid of any real talent, because uh, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a memorial. Well, not memorial, but more like a um, tribute episode, I guess. Since um, Haruo Nakajima recently passed away, uh, we decided now would be a, a great opportunity to look back on not just Nakajima, but uh, the main figures that contributed to the success of the original Godzilla character and film, and the general legacy that they left behind. It's serious time. Oh boy, yeah, we're. Uh, we're getting into serious territory here, boys. And so before we encounter this
1: great monster from 20,000 miles beneath the sea, we'd like to remind you this podcast is sponsored by TokoTalkStore.com. Please check them out. They've even got DVDs now. I've seen yes. a couple of copies of Ranger floating about on the site.
0: I hope we will get uh, more uh, more sets of the, uh, the subsequent series. Yes, it seems that the shop
1: themselves are getting a bit more... Ooh, what's that word that's been escaping me the fa- for the past few weeks? Um, ambitious? Ambitious. They're hey. getting more ambitious. They're getting more imports in. You can see they're even getting some of the US imports. I am. And eventually they're going to be doing things like nicking stuff from Toei lots or stealing <laughs> posters from Power Rangers conventions.
0: And then uh, they'll be locked in the uh, the private island of Toei and never let go. Much like North Korea, they so get for stealing posters. Don't you do it. And the moral of the story is, thieves never prosper, but capitalists do. So please check out Toku Toy Store. So how does that work in with Chaya then? Because they're both. So um, as we said in the intro, this is going to be a uh, more like a, like a retrospective of the um, the five men who kind of contributed to what Godzilla is today. And well, yeah, it seems like an appropriate place to start with um, Hiro Nakajima, the uh, the man inside the suit. If you're a fan of early Godzilla, as I'm sure, and I would hope most of you are, uh, you'll be familiar with Hiro Nakajima in uh, performance if not in name. He was very much the uh, THE suit actor, he uh, helped uh, pioneer much, well pretty much all modern techniques that we use today that don't involve CGI or anything like that. He was very much uh, Toho's guinea pig, you know, they uh, decided the best way to do it would be a horrible rubber suit, let's shove a bloke in there, oi. Nakajima. In, in you get, lads? <laughs> hey, Harry, hop in. <laughs>
1: get in, loser, we're making another movie. And I think he still bore the scars the whole way around, bless him.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, it's It was a, a point of pride, I think, for the uh, for Nakajima, that he wouldn't let people know when he got injured, because he liked to cultivate this um, reputation of being invincible, which would also mean that he was indispensable. Ah, like kayfabe in wrestling. Hmm. So stick with it. Even though he had um, lasting injuries, uh, he... You know, he'd pass out regularly. Uh, in Varan, they set off explosives underneath his uh, his giblets, and they never healed properly, apparently.
1: Always fear an old man in a profession where they always die young. And this man was, for the most part, Showa Godzilla. If you watch some of the earlier Showa Godzilla films, he was the man in the Godzilla suit. Hmm. It's just strange to think that he was the same guy in all of them.
0: Well, it wasn't uh, just him. He did have uh, an assistant with him, but no, you'd be forgiven for... Uh, Well, most people would be forgiven for not knowing that. Katsumi Tezuka, a former baseball player, actually, um, was brought in to play Godzilla as well, though Nakajima um, maintained that he wasn't up to playing Godzilla and was more his assistant. But he did uh, play Angurus and uh, some other kaiju later on down the line. right.
1: Do you think Nakajima was getting a bit tired of being typecast? He's like, oh, I've got to be the monster again. Why can't oh. I be
0: the love interest? <laughs> well, yeah, Godzilla just really needs someone to love him. Yeah. No, actually, uh, Nakajima was uh, very content uh, with his lot. Um, Toho had a policy of keeping the identities of suit actors secret at the time so as not to detract from the character. And Nakajima was perfectly happy with this. Uh, it was his uh, opinion that he wasn't the star. It was, uh, it was the monster he was portraying.
1: Which are oh, fair enough.
0: Pretty interesting, actually. You know, um, Akira Takarada. Oh, he played Agata yes. and a bunch of other characters in the Godzilla series. Uh, he was actually twenty when he uh, was came- when he was brought onto Godzilla. Wow, just a kid. I mean, a, a lot of the uh, the actors there were uh, f- were fairly young. But uh, when Takarada came onto the set, he introduced himself as uh, as the star of the movie. And uh, apparently someone called out that he wasn't a star, Godzilla was, which uh, rather humbled him, apparently.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that seems to have been a, a uh, kind of recurring opinion of a lot of people who worked on it, that, that Godzilla and the monsters were stars. Imagine if uh, they did that with Star Wars, like Chewbacca himself. <laughs> well, they did do, uh, for the, in the credits of the um, uh, the holiday special, it was um, and introducing or, and featuring R2-D2. Ah, uh-huh, yes. Even though he had a little uh, little little man inside. We don't of talk him. about the dwarf. Oh, R two D two actually devours the dwarf, <laughs>
1: he just digests it to power itself. But that's a completely different story. Back to Godzilla.
0: Akagiya like, was very well uh, regarded and well respected at Toho, and he felt that this was a nice, um, I suppose, compromise is The closest word I'm thinking of between you know not having fame. He was well regarded in the company. A lot of people liked the characters. He was happy with that kind of arrangement, and that's actually very respectable. Yeah, you, know, you can. Uh, You've seen V for Vendetta, right, Rex? Oh yes, definitely. Uh, Hugo Weaving was chosen because he was the only actor uh, that people put forward to play V who didn't want to. He wasn't insisting on having his face shown. That was
1: that's actually a bit egotistical, actually, for the actors who were like, "No, I've got to be. It's got to be my face."
0: Yeah, pretty arrogant, if you ask me. So it's nice that someone like Nakajima existed, who I suppose understood the uh, the importance of the character he played.
1: Oh yes, mm-hmm. and the thing is, with suit actors, they learn that they can convey so much emotion simply mm. by moving around their arms and legs. Oh, absolutely. a bit of puppetry in the head. Oh, well. The body language is amazing.
0: Originally, it was all... I mean, there was no kind of... Um, there was no radio control for like the eyes or anything like that. It was all done by Nakajima. Oh, how, how on earth did he control it? Well, I think they had like a little pulley thing connected to his chin, so when he opened his mouth, Godzilla would open his. I have no idea how they did the eyes, so, but it was all wires and things like that oh crikey i was watching a uh, a video that's kind of been circulating in the community now that um after his passing um of the last time he actually donned a godzilla suit it was a uh i think it was a promotional event for uh, one of the either one of the later Showa movies or one of the earlier um heisei movies and uh i was i was noticing a lot of the uh, little Idiosyncrasies of Nakajima's performance that you don't really get in Godzilla anymore. You know what I mean? Like um, oh yes the way he moves his arms, where he raises, the way he kind of leans back and that kind of thing. Like Godzilla still does lean back, like we see him lean back in Final Wars, but it's oh, it's that, just something different. And that sort of boxer's pose style thing he takes mm. during fights. Yeah, it's just something very
1: human about it.
0: Oh yeah, it's um which is interesting because um and this kind of feeds into uh, like the weird character development of Godzilla to begin with Nakajima. Uh, when he was betraying the original godzilla was quite happy that the uh, the suit was so restrictive because it forced him to be to move in a way that a human wouldn't move yes. and uh, but as the series progressed and i suppose godzilla's changed since um the original godzilla is not the one we see in Raids again um they get a little bit more anthropomorphic with their uh, performance yes i think that actually
1: lends better to the progression of Showa. as things became less serious you needed godzilla as a sort of hero yeah. and you can't really have a hero who just moves in a very sort of Menacing,
0: I'd say. Lumbering. Yes, lumbering
1: lumbering sort of thing. You've got Hmm. to have something that is a bit more manoeuvrable. That's probably why it worked to their advantage.
0: Hmm. If if I were to be a a, a huge punce for a second, I would uh, suggest perhaps that Godzilla's evolution would um, maybe play into how uh, nukes kind of became steadily less scary. as, um, As more countries adopted nuclear power, that kind of thing, it became less a looming threat and more a fact of life.
1: Oh, definitely. As long as you don't mm. tell North Korea.
0: <laughs> but um, no, um, kind of backtracking a little bit to um, Godzilla's movement, uh, Nakajim would actually eat his uh, lunch at the zoo, studying uh, large animals there like uh, lions, um, bears, and elephants. Ah, well, which is interesting because the, um, the 2014 God- uh, Godzilla was actually modelled quite heavily on bears. Wow. Oh yeah, have you seen from the uh, from the, from the head on oh, and compare in, it, and compare it yeah. to how a bear looks when it's standing on his hind legs? It's very similar, you know, arms kind of down at the front, that kind of thing. Wow. Yeah, he'd also kind of uh, intentionally kind of keep his arms kind of curled into himself, I suppose, just kind of make them as small as he could,
1: that which uh, really I think they took sense. to
0: extremes with uh, Shin Godzilla. Oh, yes. Little, little scrawny old things. He liked to have little kind of walk-on cameo roles in his films. Like in the first one. Um, oh, do, you, do you remember after the, like, the newsreel bit, like where you see the printing press, to talk talking about Godzilla, and you got these uh, reporters in a room, and then you got this, this one guy down on the left. That's actually Nakajima. Oh, right. Hmm.
1: Split second, boom. You, you don't recognize him without the great big latex suit covering him.
0: <laughs> and uh, Tezuka actually played the editor in that scene as well. So you oh. got both people who portray Godzilla in the same scene it's pretty neat wow that, that's really cool yeah and uh, in the, the scene in uh, I can't remember I think it was a power plant they, when they're throwing switches for the electric barrier they're uh, putting up ah yes there's, uh, there, there is some contention as to whether or not the person who actually throws a switch is a Nakajima or Honda
1: oh you know what would actually be cool hmm if in these Taku giant monster things, that the suit actor always has a cameo as a character, just as, like, a small <laughs> side character just gets, like, a small few seconds on screen. It's a bit like Stan Lee in Marvel movies.
0: Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, as far as his career goes, he started out as a stunt actor, as you'd imagine, but he, uh, he actually he played a bandit as well in Seven Samurai. And uh, after coming off the of Sem- Seven Samurai, which came out not too long before um, Godzilla... He was asked to, um, to come in and portray Godzilla. And at this point in the production, they had no idea what Godzilla was going to look like. And uh, I have no idea why, but he was under the impression he'd be playing a giant frog. Hmm. Or something that looked like a giant frog, at least. And um, he and Subraia ended up working very closely together with one another. Uh, Subraia would come to Nakajima any time he needed someone to play a giant monster. He played uh, several Ultraman monsters uh, in in Ultraman, uh, did live shows as well, and always insist on kind of doing those himself. It was a monster he played and stuff wow. like that. So Briar showed him his private print of King Kong. I mean, this is back before her media was a proper thing. So imagine, especially in Japan as well, hmm. imagine getting like an American film from the 30s, like a private print just for you, for your Old own... school Real, wow. Yeah. So he showed him King Kong to kind of... Um, kind of show what they were going for. And, um, yeah, was, uh, I was. think that's a good reference point because that's also what inspired um, Subraya in his endeavours. Together they would um, pioneer a lot of uh, filming techniques, as, well, Subraya's career was marked by a lot of pioneering moments. Uh, the, the over-cranking uh, technique they used, which uh, was used to achieve the kind of lumbering, kind of very weighty and heavy... Okay.
1: So by that you mean they slowed down the frame rate? To make it to just yeah. seem
0: slower. Yeah, he'd, um, and Godzilla would... Uh, Nakajima realized that if, he, if they did that, he'd just look really slow. Like, not just lumbering, but just genuinely slow. So he would what he would do is move really quickly. Ah. And then that would... It would kind of even it out. So whenever you see, like, behind-the-scenes footage of Godzilla, they will, even today, even if they're in a suit, be moving very um, very quickly, very abruptly... But when it's kind of the way they film it with overcranking, when it's um, when it's fully edited and everything like that, it looks a lot more natural because it looks like the, a giant creature oh, would okay. move. Fascinating. Mm. And unfortunately, they uh, used undercranking in Raids Again. Ah, so it just sped up. Yeah, that's why the fight scenes are uh, not the best. But Raiders Again's failings were uh, a result of its rushed production. You know, it's uh, it's kind of like a. Um, Son of Kong kind of deal. Oh, yes. Both had sequels... Well, both were sequels that were rushed into production to capitalise on the, uh, the success of the uh, predecessor. Both are fine movies, but the originals will always be superior, unfortunately. Nakajima never did get to play that frog. But yeah, going back to um, his relationship with Subraya um, it, for his films, um, he'd often... When when Subria was involved, he would... Um, practice and show his choreography to Tsubaya privately so they could uh, work that out and to get approval for it. Because um, in the scripts, uh, you, know, you know you know, Scrubs? Oh, you know, yes. You know the janitor in Scrubs where the yes. script basically just says, you know, whatever the actor says? That's kind of what it was for the monster fights. Not much was solidly written about them. So, yeah, except for the uh, the setting, that kind of thing, or who was involved. And Nakajima was the choreographer. He would ah. supervise the other suit actors and kind of, organized the fight pretty much himself that's actually quite cool absolutely i mean it really kind of enforces the idea of um Nakajima being like the original suit actor
1: that really harkens back to the times in cinema, and I'm talking way back, I'm talking 30s, 40s, when it oh. was the actors, the stars, who had to do their own thing, Yeah, as in the guy who was, I cannot remember the name, there are so many horror actors, I, I stuff think like Karlof Karlof. Yeah. I'm talking the guy who did The Phantom of the Opera, as in he did his own makeup for it, hmm. and it's those sorts of people who have to be professionals in not just acting, but so many other parts related to it.
0: Oh yeah, it's, well, yeah, you have to be a jack of all trades, and master of all. You never really see
1: that nowadays. It's always just one person to each role.
0: Yeah, well, you got a whole team of makeup artists, you know.
1: I actually make things a bit quicker than just doing it in a mirror yourself.
0: <laughs> Nakajima actually received offers to uh, work in uh, American films, but Zubriya convinced him to stay in Japan by telling him that they wouldn't be able to make these movies without him. And, Wow. yeah, I, I agree, especially in the early days, because... Uh, you, you'd need Nakajima and his expertise. I mean, Subria can shoot it and knows how to make these things, but Nakajima knows how to act in these suits. No other sane man would risk that in that <laughs> suit. <laughs> Nakajima, I, honestly, I, I would. I wish I could have met him. The guy seems like an interesting chap. Had a policy of uh, never refusing an instruction or never, never saying that he couldn't do something, because, again, that would mean that he wasn't indispensable, which led to a lot of inc- uh, accidents and injuries, like uh, the one we mentioned earlier.
1: Okay, your name is Varon, we've got rockets strapped to your junk. Just do your thing. Poor Mrs.
0: Nakajima. But yeah, he, uh, he, yeah, he'd never um, never complain about all the horrible things happening to him, like being buried underground the ground as Varagon, or almost drowning as Godzilla. He, um, he maintained that his, um, his most favorite um, role to play was Gaira. In War uh, in of the Gargantuas, because of the uh, the exposed eyes, which allowed him to emote and act a bit more than usual. Oh, all right. Mm. Okay. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. In fact, I think Gyra and Sander were the last, or if any, um, Toho monster to have any kind of exposed human eyes. Wow. Mm.
1: For some reason, I recall them as having fake eyes, but actually looking back...
0: Yeah, yeah, you, you can see the actor's eyes through there. Wow. Hmm. Way more visibility than something like the Godzilla suit, which uh, they had small holes punched in the neck. Unfortunately, uh, sweat would fill those holes up and make them next to useless. Ah, charming. Yes. In fact, you could drain a cup of sweat, even from just a few minutes, in the suit. Would it just collect in the
1: legs? Oh. Just like It's like you're wearing inverse galoshes. That's gross.
0: Unfortunately, um, Subraya's death... Um, and the uh, this, the state of the film industry in Japan at the time, which led to mass layoffs, um, kind of killed his his kind of passion for acting in these films, and he retired. It's kind of like um, John Pertwee uh, relinquishing uh, the role of Doctor Who when uh, Roger Delgado died. Ah, yes. That's a shame, really. It's a shame, but the two were obviously close. I mean, they, they worked closely together on films. They were obviously trusted partners of each other, you know?
1: Did he use his acting expertise in anything, or did he just decide to coast by on conventions like the Star Trek
0: cast? <laughs> well, By that point, I'm sure he had a lot to uh, he made enough money to kind of retire on. But I'm I'm pr- pretty sure he'd just work as like a consultant. I mean, wouldn't you? I agree. Actually, I could sort of imagine him as a trainer for suit actors.
1: Hmm. Maybe he did that. I I don't really have the information on hand, but it's a lot of wisdom
0: that you've got to pass on. It's not like he didn't do uh, conventions. He went to G Fest a lot. Apparently, I. I've seen a lot. uh, Matt Frank posted a bunch of pictures of um, different times he'd met Nakajima. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, really sweet. Did you get a different t-shirt for each time? I met Nakajima for the first time at (laughs) G-Fest. I met Nakajima for the second time at (laughs) (laughs) G-Fest. Nakajima got tired of my face and punched me for the third
0: time at G-Fest. Nakajima issued a um, a restraining order. Nakajima expanded the restraining order. (laughs) I'm under house arrest thanks to Nakajima. (laughs) So um, I think it would be uh, nice to kind of wrap um, this bit about Nakajima up by uh, kind of talking about some of the roles he plays, just kind of going through the different roles, different films he was in. So obviously he was uh, Godzilla in the original Godzilla. Um, he was in The, uh, the Invisible Man. That's, oh, yeah. That's a film I've always wanted to watch, actually. That, uh, H-Man, and Matango.
1: I'd always heard about Invisible Man on Toho Kingdom, but I never <laughs> read yeah. into it.
0: Uh, he was also Godzilla in Raids Again. He was Rodan and Mega Nulon in Rodan. We need a bloke in a suit. Go. <laughs> Go, Harrow. He was Mogera in The Mysterians. Ah, oh, yes. Varan in Varan. He was in The Human Vapor. That's another one. It's all these kind of Honda films and Toho sci-fi films that I really want to watch. Yeah. That they don't really have in the West, unfortunately. They just get neglected because, hey, what do we know about
1: Toho? Godzilla. Yeah. We don't care about the other standalone sci-fi. Just give us Godzilla. That's what they want. Game. Wasn't he also Mothra, as in... Yep. Are we talking, like, as in Grub Mothra, or...? Th- yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking, otherwise, is he just Muppet Mothra? <laughs> just suspended in a, in a fluffy suit.
0: You know what, when I was a kid, when I was first getting into this, I did wonder whether or not there was uh, a person in the, uh, in the Mothra suit. <laughs> no, hang there is not. someone on wires. That's a shame. <laughs> They'd have nothing to do, though. Well, they just, They'd just be, that, that's punishment. Get in the mothra suit. <laughs> Bad stunt actors as I shoved in the mothra suit for hours on end. And treated like a piñata. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, he was also in Matango, is the actual Mushroom Monsters. Mm. He's also Godzilla in King Kong versus Godzilla, as
1: you'd expect. Actually, he played Godzilla in a lot of roles in... Mm-hmm. Gedora Mothra versus Astro yep. Monster just wow even into Ibera. I wasn't too keen on that suit, but I can see what you mean now by him in that suit yeah. doing the big backwards thing, destroy all monsters. Yeah. yeah, he goes all the way up to Versus Gigan. Mm-hmm. He was showy Godzilla
0: for the most part. Yeah, is Maguma and Gorath too another one I want to watch? We all want to watch Gorath. Yeah. He was also in Latitude 0 as the Griffin, uh, giant rat and bat person. Is that like a like the evil version of Bird Person with Rick and Morty. We can only pray... What, what
1: was Latitude Zero, anyway? Person.
0: Oh, lap, Latitude Zero. Is like a, there was like this whole evil scientist thing. Black Griffin was... I think it was like the brain of a person in a like a, a cobbled-together um, thing from a, a lion and a, an eagle. Oh, right. Weird I stuff. I only vaguely remember the title. Again, from briefly browsing Toho Kingdom mm. during those formative years. And he was also in Space Amoeba as Gazora and Ganymede. 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 I've never seen Space Me, but I have no idea. This is an issue with Animus, some of these films. Uh, yeah, because yeah. yeah, if you've not seen the film, and if you haven't got access to the film, you've got no clue how to pronounce the goddamn names. You've just got how they're written. Yeah,
1: well, just say it as it is. It's yeah. Squiddy Bloke and totally Bloke.
0: And he also appeared on Ultra Q as Gomez and Pegos. Pegos, Pegos. Pegos. It's going to go with Pegos. <laughs> and Ultraman as... Oh, wow, Nironga. oh Gaborah. Yep.
1: That's well, Gaborah.
0: Cool. Yeah. Jurass. Makes sense. Yeah. It all just goes back on
1: itself, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. And he played uh, K- Kila. K- Kiela. Kila. Kila. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Do you think that he'd actually been in that Jurass uh, suit before? He's just like, hang on, this feels familiar.
0: Oh, yeah, I think. Oh, no, it was it, that was coupled together from two suits. Ah, right. Um, I think the head. Yeah, head was from one. uh, Body was from another one. Can't remember which, but yeah, he'd definitely been in those two suits before. Okay. He's also U uh, Tom in Ultra 7. And G- Gaira in He of the Sun. What is He of the Sun? I actually have never heard of He of the Sun. And according to the internet, there is no record of it either. <laughs> it's the
1: secret to immortality. Uh, apparently, it's just a drama show produced by Toho involving kaiju.
0: Certainly seems that way. That makes uh that makes for the best drama. So next up, we're uh, we're talking about Ishiro Honda, the director of Godzilla and uh, co-writer as well, um, for, for the screenplay at least. Uh, he was uh, wasn't the first choice for directing it apparently. The uh, the original director was going to be Senkichi Taniguchi who was, um, the the, the reason Godzilla was made partially is because there was a, a big gap in Toho's release schedule for that year. Oh, right. Uh, Tomoyuki Tanaka, the uh, the producer actually uh, had a project of his that he was working on with an Indonesian company go belly up because, um, right. yeah, for one reason or another, because they were trying to mend bridges with uh, with Indonesia because they were they were assholes to them in the war. Yeah, I think with Japan it's like, don't mention the war, don't, don't mention the war. Don't mention Nanking. We were on holiday. But um, when that went belly up, they um, had a massive gap because the film was going to be a huge um, thing for them. So they decided, well, we need something equally big. So, um, well, when when Taniguchi left, they got Honda on. And honestly, I think that was the uh, the best choice um, because Honda really... um, I'm kind of at a loss at how to to, um, fully express how big of an impact honda had on the film he's eh? your husbando that's how to explain it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no um, honda i actually no i'm actually kind of having a hard time expressing it uh, honda was a very good director he was that's not a good way of saying it
1: <laughs> he was good boom podcast
0: over M- movie good explosions make happy
1: yay feel bad now dead our dead make sad godzilla dead feel mixed feelings <laughs> we should do we should do <laughs> a movie review podcast where we talk
0: like cavemen the whole time. Yes. Just movie reviews. <laughs> 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 well, look out for that one, kids. Yeah, he was absolutely integral to the success of it. Uh, without him, you wouldn't have such good acting, you wouldn't have such good drama in it either, uh, and, and drama that was so relevant to uh, the plot. Uh, he was uh, he was in World War Two. Who was apparently drafted three times. Crikey imagine his luck he was also a prisoner of war until the end of the war and uh he heard about uh hiroshima and nagasaki actually um while he was in captivity that's got to be sobering as hell not as sobering as uh when they when he and the other prisoners of war went to see what happened and that apparently left a massive mark on him as you would imagine it would which you can really see in godzilla you know you got those The scene just after um, Godzilla's first rampage across Tokyo, when it looks just like some of those pictures you have of of, um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, it's... Wow,
1: it's great that the director was someone who'd been through that, Mm. seen that. My God, as in, I can't actually describe how significant that has to be to help shape a person's way of directing something like this. They've got to show... The nightmare that it had caused. Absolutely,
0: and that actually uh, worked in the film's um, disservice. Actually, uh, it was panned by a lot of critics and was not a uh, not the biggest success. It was really? successful, in, yeah, yeah. Um, critics um, just absolutely hated it. Uh, they they must have thought he was being really tasteless about. Yeah, they thought he was being exploitative and that kind of thing. Even though everyone on board were trying to be as tasteful as possible, and the whole message of it was meant to be. Um, you know, anti-nuclear uh, armament, mm. yeah, pro-disarmament, that kind of thing. Yeah, I can sort of
1: understand because remember all the movies about nine eleven that we've had, <laughs> and they're always panned as being a bit too well, not a bit pandery. So maybe like they perceived it as like that.
0: Maybe. Yeah, it, you, you can get why they said that, but it's unfortunate because it was actually a very tasteful movie. It was actually a very, very pertinent message that is as relevant today as it was back then. Oh yes, is take on Godzilla. It wasn't strictly a metaphor, but more like a like a physical manifestation of the bomb. Like, um, like if the bomb had legs, it would be Godzilla, that kind of thing. I can just imagine
1: that as Nakajima's reference. You're a bomb on legs, go. Also, you have arms.
0: <laughs> no, no, that was just what he'd say to kind of big Nakajima, you know, to get him pumped up. He'd just call him, you know, you're the bomb, you're the
1: bomb. No, 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 no. It's to motivate him. We've, we've attached a bomb to your legs. Act on we eat the mouth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was um he was originally um trained to um direct dramas for a, for a female audience apparently ah. which you can see in godzilla there's a heavy dramatic focus in that
1: oh definitely especially with the whole relationship dynamic oh, going on yeah that, I, when i originally watched it when i was i think 12 13 i'm like what
0: is this i didn't expect the human drama side i didn't expect to cry oh my god the feels <laughs> right but he was, um, he was also uh, experienced with documentaries and made several war films as well that incorporated special effects, which is how he met Tsubraya. And that's why he brought Tsubraya onto the project, because he knew he could handle special effects. Oh, wow, it all ties in now. A recurring um, theme throughout these movies, and especially with Godzilla, is that Honda really seems to place a lot more faith in kind of scientists and intellectuals than he does in the government or the military to, uh, to solve a problem. Because, you know, you got Yamane and Serizawa who are both very moral people and end up um, contributing to saving the day. Whereas the, the government is, um, you know, when we see the, um, the, the officials there kind of in the first scene with the men, they just kind of descend into you know, petty infighting and stuff like that. And the military's um, actions are mostly useless.
1: That's always the best approach for Godzilla films, though. Oh yeah, in, it works. Hmm. As in, ideally, you want a movie that's scientists trying to come up with ways to defeat Godzilla.
0: Yeah, I think Shin Godzilla did that really well.
1: Oh yes, they showed a lot of problems with governance, <laughs> even a cheeky jab at yeah the use of the SDF.
0: But um, it yeah, it's Honda is a, a very very interesting filmmaker. He. Uh, I mean, the, the main characters, well, ostensibly the main characters, Emiko and Ogata, actually do disappear for 15 minutes while they're introducing the monster and everything like that. It's But he, he does have some Western influences. Like, there is a three-arc structure, very roughly, in the ah, film. Oh,
1: yes. I see what you mean. So, I think it was after the attack, then it moved into the third act, I think, because the first one was establishing everything, second was all the action. And yeah. Third was then when they're like, "Oh, he's going to use the oxygen destroyer."
0: I think uh, I think Honda is a very, um, I, know, I think is he it was quite a, I think he's quite a big man for not blaming America directly in his film for it. The implication is that it was an American test, mm. but he always kind of pointed the blame at humanity in general. I think.
1: Yes, it was more of a globalized message. It wasn't solely for the Japanese audience. Mm. It was to mankind what. Pretty much every 1950s sci fi movie did. It's mm. like, mankind must not do this. And typically it was a reference to nuclear war. Yeah. Filmmakers wanted people to know that this was not the way to deal with things.
0: Pretty big balls on him as well to do that just you know, a couple of years after um, the American occupation ended, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, even if he didn't point fingers at anyone, you can tell that film would never have gotten out with the US censors there. Oh, definitely. Even considering how neutral
1: it is, it would just mm. be considered too oh, yeah. soon.
0: Yeah, too, well, it wouldn't even be too because it's too soon. It'd be more because it's too subversive. It's, you know, kind of undermining...
1: You having thoughts against democracy, young man?
0: <laughs> Mr.
1: Honda. <laughs> Burn those scripts.
0: <laughs> um, No, it's, Honda is also... um. A very, uh, I suppose, the common parlance now is a progressive director because he would always give very prominent and very important roles to women in his films. Hmm. And it's not just like a tokenistic thing either. I mean, they were always very, um, yeah, they would, you know, some of them would fail, some of them would be bad. I mean, uh, Emiko, not that she was bad, but she was um, kind of jerking Sarah Zahra around a bit. It's almost as if women are
1: human beings with. With faults and advantages, much yeah. like men. It's I mean, almost as yeah. if
0: they have equal personalities, dear God. Imagine that. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, no, very, very impressive at the time. This is 50s era Japan, after all. I
1: think social perceptions of tentacle monsters improved quicker than perceptions of women's roles <laughs> and things, so it was very ahead of the times.
0: I, I, I mentioned this to you the other day, actually. I'd consider Honda to be like the, the thinking man's Roland Emmerich. Oh, not, nice. not just... Because they both directed Godzilla films, and Emmerich's was subpar to say the least. Uh, but because of the way they approach uh, a movie like Godzilla, like a, like take Independence Day or um, Day the Earth to t- No, not day.
1: day After Tomorrow. If only Emmerich did a Day the Earth Stood Still version, it <laughs> might be better than the one with Keanu Reeves. Anything know. would be better than the Keanu Reeves one. That's
0: a weird one. But yeah, I mean, they they both feature rather large casts. But the this is where the similarities end because honda his characters are very believable and even if they're not fully developed like they don't go through complex character character arcs um they are believable 3d people Whereas in emmerich ones at best one two or maybe three will be and the rest will just be lazy stereotypes pretty much yeah i'm thinking of independence day oh, i'm thinking I'm of thinking Independence of the day too. and it's
1: like okay you have jeff goldblum's he's a scientist that's all that
0: you can describe about him and his incredibly Jewish companion. Um, Actually, no, they had very, two very Jewish uh, people in that. That's weird, because you got his dad. Oh, yeah. And then he got his, uh, his friend at the beginning. i got to call my lawyer. i got to call my lawyer. And then there's Pilot Man. and Oh, no, no. He has two personality
1: traits. He's Pilot Man and Family Man. But that's what you get when you will, Smith. It's so complex. Hmm. It's like, I'm a Pilot Man, but I'm also a Family Man. I want to be an astronaut. That's my character. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I can uh, do Will Smith. I think please, the most complex character in that film was the dog. I mean, people <laughs> just cheered when he jumped away from the fireball.
0: God bless you, boomer. That's
1: the only thing you cared about, people.
0: <laughs> you see what I mean with uh, Honda being the thinking man's Emmerich? Definitely. You see, weeboos, uh, I'm like you. Don't hate me anymore. Yeah, to kind of basically wrap up my uh, my thoughts on Honda, I, I consider him to be one of the most integral play- pieces of Godzilla's beginnings you know because it is it was one piece that you could not take it away and it'd be a similar movie you know definitely i think it was his
1: idea that helped shape it into the statement that it is
0: mm, it, it's his um, directing style as well like especially with the story and the the way it developed with the humans as well um, honestly, I'd say he's one of the most important directors of all time. I'd say. I mean, there are very few that can that I would put on the same pedestal as him. You know, we've got um, George Romero with *Night of the Living Dead* and *Dawn of the Dead*. You got uh, George Lucas with the *Star Wars* trilogy. Steven Spielberg with things like *E.T.* and *Close Encounters*. Um, uh, Quentin Tarantino as well with things like *Pulp Fiction*. I'd say that these are all very much a similar caliber of director with what they've produced and how. Uh, unique their films can be but more importantly which one would win in a fight uh tarantino yes <laughs> but it's quite nice that um, when when uh, when honda retired he worked as a um as like an assistant director to his good friend akira kurosawa which is um i think it's kind of sweet you know kurosawa always um said that he wished he could have made a godzilla movie
1: it's a real shame
0: that he didn't. I am really salty that he didn't. I want a Honda want... Kurosawa collaboration. I really want my Kurosawa Godzilla film because you know how beautiful Kurosawa's directing can be. I mean, have you ever seen Seven Samurai? Rashomon. Oh yes. I, I just want that in a Godzilla film, please. Let's just uh, let's just get Kurosawa back and just
1: force him to direct it. Just raise him from the dead. Rise from your grave. You still have a role to play in this world. <laughs>
0: So to uh, round off this week's uh, retrospective is uh, Tom- Tomoyuki Tanaka who was the producer of the film and um he he he's the uh, the origin of the allusions to the Lucky Dragon number 5 um influences in this What is Lucky Dragon number 5? I sound very naive but <laughs> I, I shall guide you young grasshopper. Thank you master. Uh the Lucky Grasshopper <laughs> say Lucky Grasshopper Lucky Dragon number 5 is a uh very ironic name for the incident. Uh, the Lucky Dragon number five was a, a, a fishing ship, a tuna fishing ch- a ship, and it was very close to the uh, nuclear tests at Bikini uh, Atoll. You can uh, you can see where this is going. Oh, the okay. uh, the fishermen were exposed to horrible amounts of radiation. Uh, several died of leukemia afterwards, oh, and w- this led to a huge um, kind of tuna scare in Japan at the time. People were too afraid to eat tuna because oh oh, God, you're going to have mutant tuna. It's going to give us cancer. And this took place just uh, a few months before Godzilla came out. And um, Tanaka said that uh, that's where it came from. He was uh, he was coming back from um, Indonesia. And he was looking out over the ocean, and he kind of remembered Lucky Dragon number 5. Oh. And he thought to himself, what if that kind of thing it woke a monster up? And that's kind of where the spark of Godzilla came from. I can now see... Yes, I think I remember something like that. It was even mm.
1: alluded to in the film. Yes, with at the boatload beginning. of people with the burns. Well,
0: you have no idea. One of the life preservers says number five on it in the background. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is fascinating. Mm. So much background in this. Yeah. And uh, he was also uh, inspired by uh, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms as well, which... Is very obvious in some of the scenes like that and the um, his proposed title for it was actually the giant monster from 20,000 miles beneath the sea ah. Bit of a mouthful. Yeah, they yeah uh, they changed the, uh, the to Project G for a while. You
1: know what they should do? It should have been Godzilla, the giant monster from Twenty Thousand Miles Beneath the Sea, in true Japanese title style.
0: Oh man, yes. But Godzilla's yes.
1: got like an exclamation mark after
0: it. Yes, but yeah, no the the title was changed to Project G while they were produ- producing it, and it wasn't actually um, for Godzilla; it was for Giant.
1: Ah. Hmm. I think Gojira actually just came from... uh, Was it the name of some press guy because he was fat? It's like a combination of... uh kujira and gorilla
0: there is a lot of um well there are a lot of different conflicting reports as to why how godzilla came about um i think um honda's wife uh, recalls it being just something someone came up with um nakajima says he remembered it being the result of a um like an in-company competition to kind of come up with the name of the monster you've got the uh the one uh, kujira gorilla um, yeah portmanteau for a, a stagehand who worked there um, I'm. I think it's like a cross between um, the two accounts I already mentioned. The someone coming up with it and being a competition. I think that seems most. I think it seems reasonable. It just seems kind of weird that you know we never found out who the uh, the stagehand was. You know nothing ever came of that. That kind yeah. of thing. It seems like one of those um, old wives' tales that just kind of gets passed around a bit. I think it's
1: best if we don't really know about it because it it adds to the yeah. mystery. It's sort of this mythos and it's just mm. there. It adds to. It's, the film's almost mythical Oh yeah, this,
0: I mean another thing. Another thing that this film pioneered was storyboarding in Japan. It um, used the same technique that we use today. That was started with Snow White and Seven Dwarves of kind of doing storyboards. And if you, if you look at the storyboards, every single one with Godzilla in it is completely different because at that point, all they knew was it's a dinosaur, it's a big big old dinosaur, and like the sun will look like a T Rex. Uh, one look kind of like Fin Fang Foom from Iron Man. Oh right. Yeah, it's a. Uh, Really interesting just to see the creative process. You know, they had a buttload of people working on this.
1: I wonder how they storyboarded things before the concept of storyboarding. Did they just use woodcuts? <laughs> no, no,
0: they used uh, intricate calligraphy.
1: <laughs> yes, and when they were storyboarding, Nakajima came in, looked terrified, and said, but I'm, wait, I'm not a frog? My act is ruined! He,
0: he also did a bit of method. He spent some time living with frogs. <laughs> no, he just came in in a, uh, like a Super Mario 3 frog suit. What's up, guys? I made my own costume? Oh, Oh, we going for a dinosaur, are we? My All wife right. made this for me. Man, we said we were going to be tasteful. Well, it's not that bad. <laughs> we're doing quite well so far. I think that about wraps up uh, this episode. There are There's a lot to talk about. We're going to be splitting this over two episodes because you don't want to listen to a two-hour podcast, do you? Well, or if you do, we'll just actually, wait until next week. We could to do, do a decent,
1: serious one. Maybe at some point we could just be like, hey, we're going to talk about this serious topic. No tangents. It's going to be us talking. It's going to be great. Maybe something like that. But this is a lot (laughs) to swallow because we're not just talking about Nakajima. We're going through a lot of the legacy of Godzilla. Hmm. And so the rest of the cast will have to talk about in next week's episode. And so
0: whom in particular are we talking about next time? Ooh, next time we will be talking about Age Zubraya and Akira Ifukube, the uh, special effects director and composer for the film. Some of the most important people in the production. Mm. I think I had
1: a couple of Ifukube albums, and Tsuburaya himself, well, he's got a massive legacy.
0: Absolutely, I mean, probably um, probably he and Honda are the ones with the, ma- with the biggest um, legacy. That's not to downplay the achievements of the others at all, it's just a, they seem to be the ones that are better known. Yeah, it's well they're all the dream team. Oh, You've got to
1: appreciate the people that we talked about this episode. Oh yeah. And next episode it's going to be equally as
0: great. I mean you're not wrong when you say they're the dream team. I mean these people were the driving force behind Toho Sci Fi in the uh, in the Showa era. You know, most of them were produced by the same guy, yeah, most of them was directed by the same guy. It was all the same team. It was great. That's why they were so consistent, I guess and so this officially brings this week's episode to a close
1: we really hope you've enjoyed it if you have enjoyed it you can comment on facebook twitter soundcloud youtube and just tell us what you think is there anything Hmm. else about these wonderful people that we've missed and if you want us to discuss something new in the next episode as well please comment and tell us because Hmm. hey we're only talking about two people next week so it'll give us something else to talk about otherwise we're going to be talking about godzilla as a whole and frankly there is a lot of content we can talk about there did the whole podcast just every episode on Godzilla for how much there is? Oh, yeah, we could wax prophetic about this. Mm. And as another reminder, this podcast is sponsored by tokyotoystore.com. Please check them out. Buy Sentai things, buy Kamen Rider things, just buy <laughs> things. Buy, you like your Power Rangers, right? I know it's completely unrelated to the metaphor for the horrors of nuclear war, but Aye. buy Power Rangers toys, they're pretty cool. I swear to god I've just been too serious this episode yeah weird isn't it I mean uh, I'm not used to being so dry I've got to get the silly back I've got <laughs> to get the silly back what am I doing I'm, I'm going to have to post sentai means.
0: Mm, well I've got a clown costume I'm going to get back into and you know, I just kind of Get so back into you know being a, a fun silly guy, you know. It's twenty
1: seventeen. You go in public with a clown costume, you're no, look, getting arrested.
0: Look, I mean, look, uh, look, you're the only one I really trust with this. You know, you know my uh, my thing with uh, wearing a clown costume. You, <laughs> you sexually identify as a clown. Yeah, I mean, it just makes me feel good about myself. No problem, Bobo. Wait, the mic. Thank you. Wait, what? The mic's still on? Mic- nope. oh.
1: Oh. Okay, Oh, um, you did not hear any of that. This is Rex signing off. Stay fabulous.
0: Don't look at my cupboard. Don't look at my cupboard. Don't look at my cupboard.